So this new series called Family Meeting. It's for our church, and it's a good time for us to have a family meeting. How many of you had family meetings growing up? Maybe you're like me. Sometimes, you know, mom and dad, they'd call the kids downstairs to the living room, and they'd be like, kids, come down, put down the video games. Uh, Ryan, stop hitting your siblings. Come downstairs. We're going to have a family meeting, and it was a good time to talk about um, things that needed to be addressed. Maybe they would reveal news. Maybe they would set some new boundaries. Usually it was to do something about, about me, like correcting my inappropriate behavior, which was out of control, but like his family meetings were important and they get real, but they would be good too. And so that's what we need to have as a church during this season. Just last month, we had the sixth birthday of Generation Church, sixth year. And our church has been growing. We've seen well over a thousand people accept Jesus as Lord, maybe 2,000. Um, we've seen people being baptized. Our church has multiplied. We're building, we're expanding. So it's a good time to have a family meeting, to talk about what's important, to talk about what's going on, for me to share and be vulnerable and real about the pressures that exist. And if you're new to this church, it's a great series for you to be a part of because you get to see behind the curtain into the family living room and hear about what's going on. And if you've been calling this your home church for a while, you definitely need to hear what we're going to talk about during this series so that you can be who God wants you to be, which allows our church to be who God wants us to be. That's my goal as a pastor is to help you be who God wants you to be so that as a church family, we can be who God wants us to be. Now, I'm going to get vulnerable and just go right into it really quickly. One of my biggest concerns for our church is that people will attend church without really fully devoting themselves to Jesus as Lord. That's a fear that I have, that people will come to church but not fully devote themselves to Jesus as Lord. And I really hope for everyone who calls Generation Church home that you'll become a fully functioning church member. And in this series, I want to talk about membership some. That word membership has different ideas and expectations attached to it based on maybe where you've come from or experiences that you've had in the past. Some people, when they think of church membership, they think of country club membership. Like when I'm a member at a church, I should be treated with respect and you should be more considerate of me because I'm a member here. I remember one Sunday, a couple came into church and they actually got mad at someone because you are sitting in our seats. That's a country club membership mentality, right? And then some people, when they think about church membership, they think about a, a voting membership. And maybe you've been a part of a church where people get together and they vote on things. And, and I think that that's a, a, something that can lead to a lot of political division. And it's not really biblical. There's really no example in the Bible of church families getting together and voting about what toilet paper should be in the bathroom and, you know, what kind of songs that should be singing. You know, I actually remember one Sunday um, in the early years of the church, this, this room in Mesa used to all be very white very stark white and we painted the walls tan at the time we painted the walls tan and the first Sunday after we painted the walls this lady walked in and she looked at me and she said oh, what happened I said we, we, we painted the walls she said when did we vote on this and I said we didn't and she said well I don't like it and I said you're why we didn't vote 
And then some people, they think about church membership and they think of gym membership. Anybody have a gym membership? You know, I think it's a good thing to have to go and work out and be healthy. And a gym membership, though, you think about a gym, if you've been to one in the last decade, if you think about a gym, you know, people go there to get stronger and to get healthy, but nobody goes there to connect and build community. Because you, you notice probably 80% of the people there have ear, earphones in. They're listening to music. They're not really looking to talk. And they're definitely not looking to help each other out or get involved in each other's lives. It's like, I'm just here to, to get stronger and to go home. And that's how some people go to church, which is better than not going. But they have this attitude like, I just go to church to benefit myself, to get stronger, and to go home. And I'm not really looking to get involved in anybody's life. You know, a lot of people go to church and they get stronger, but then they, they leave listening to their own playlist doing their own thing. But church membership is different. Church membership scripturally looks like something that we're all very familiar with, and that's family. I want you to understand this. The church is a family. The church is a family. When you look at the example of scripture, the language that's used all throughout the Bible, the church is meant to be a family. Maybe you had a good family growing up or maybe not, but when you become a part of the body of Christ, you are now a member of the most loving and epic family you could ever find. The church is a family. I wanna show you this from scripture. John chapter one, verse 12, it says about this about Jesus, but to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What is this talking about? Jesus said, I came into the world to seek and save the lost. That's why he died on the cross to pay the price for all of our sins. We've all sinned. None of us are exempt. We could not save ourselves. And Jesus said, I'll die for you so that you can be forgiven and be righteous in God's sight. Then Jesus rose from the dead so that he could prove he was who he said he was and give us the gift of eternal life. He says, I'm king. And if you'll receive me and believe in me that I am who I said I am and that I did what I said I would do, then I will give you the right to become children of God. And I've heard people sometimes mistakenly say about all humanity, we're all God's children. That's not right. Only those who receive Jesus and believe in his name receive the right to become children of God. When you do receive him, you become a child of God. The Bible emphasizes this again and again. First John chapter three says, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. This is the relationship dynamic between you and the God of the universe, the creator of all things, almighty, all power. He says, I want you to know me as your father. And what do I want you to know about me? He says that I love you. He loves you so much. He calls you his children. And you might sometimes struggle like I do. Like I, I feel sometimes like not worthy to be God's child. You know, like I've done things, God, and, and sometimes I come up short, and I know you know this, but, but sometimes I don't feel like I'm worthy to be your child. And God says, I don't care if you feel worthy to be my child. You're not my child because you feel worthy. You're my child because of what Jesus has done. He says, I call you my child, and that is what you are. It's a family thing. Ephesians 2, 19 says, now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all God's holy people. And look, it says you are members of God's family. It's a family. 
Does everyone accept that? That is, the church is a family. So being a church member means committing yourselves to do the things that a healthy family member would do. But some of you have never been a part of a healthy church, and some of you have never been a part of a healthy family, so you might wonder, what does a healthy church family do? That's a great question. I ask that question myself. What does a healthy church look like? And we find the answer in the Word of God. You can go to the book of Acts, and it records the early days of the church. And these guys, they were rocking, they were on fire, and they give us a great example of what a healthy church family looks like. Can we look at this? Acts chapter 2, it says in verse 42, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This passage gives us a really good feel for what a healthy church family does. And there are other places in scripture that that kind of paint that picture a little wider and give us more detail. But in this passage, we see a lot of examples of what a healthy church does. And I'm gonna talk about some of them over the next couple of weeks and kind of highlight different aspects of this. But one of the things that I I wanna highlight today is, is that they saw each other on a regular basis. They, they were devoted to each other. It says they worshiped each day at the temple. These weren't people who just saw each other on Sunday and then just went about their own lives Monday through Saturday. These guys were devoted to one another. They loved the Lord. And that's what it looks like to be a member of the body of Christ. It's not a country club membership. It's not a gym membership. It's a family membership. They lived their lives together. They shared. They were generous. They prayed together. They were devoted. Being a church family member scripturally, it means committing yourself to be a fully developing follower of Jesus within a specific local church body. Up until now in our church, we haven't had an official membership process. And people will ask, like, how do I become a member? And right now, I feel like it's appropriate for our church to implement an official membership process so that people can clearly understand how to become a fully developing follower of Jesus, how to be connected. I want to define the relationship, you know, DTR, make it clear how to be involved and be fully connected. I'm gonna talk about five different areas where members are committing themselves over the next couple of weeks. And these are all geared towards the same thing, to help you become a fully developing follower of Jesus. Let me ask you really quick. Are you a fully developing follower of Jesus? It's an important question. Notice it says developing, not developed. Because none of us are gonna be fully developed on this side of heaven, amen? It's a process and it's a journey. And being a fully developing follower of Jesus means this. We're saying to Jesus, Lord, there's no area of my life that's off limits from you. I don't want you just on Sunday. I want you every day. All I want is all you are. 
That's what I want. I'm a fully developing. I'm not perfect, but there's nothing that I'm holding off limits from God. I want to go all in. I want to be who God wants me to be. And that's what I want for you as a pastor. That's my prayer is that you would become a fully developing follower of Jesus. Why? It's good for the body of Christ and it's good for you. Because when you are, you'll be blessed You'll receive God's favor. You'll experience good things in your life. You'll avoid pain and trouble. You'll, you'll experience happiness and find peace and community. It's, it's better when you do what Jesus tells you to do. And at the end of this series, I'm going to lay these things out. And then you'll have an opportunity to decide if you want to become an official family member at Generation Church. And if you, if you don't want to, that's okay. You might say, I'm not ready to commit to all five of these areas at this time. I still want you to come to church here. You're still invited and welcomed. We'll love you like family. But becoming an official family member, becoming an official member lets us know you're all in, that you're committed, that we can count on you. It lets us know who we need to pray for and pay special attention to, honestly. Because as our church grows and expands, you need to know who's part of your family so you can pay special care to those people. Does that sound weird to say that? No, no, think about it. Think about your family. You want to pray for everyone, but you especially pray for your family. You want to help everyone on some level, but you're especially going to help your family. It's actually biblical to pay special care to your own family. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. I hope I can explain what it looks like to be a fully developing follower of Jesus. But the good thing is this, whether you decide to make this your church home or not, if you'll implement the things that we talk about, your life will get better 100%, 100% guaranteed. Becoming a member at this church, I think, is a win for our church, but it's also a win for you, especially for you. When you're a member of a church family, I want you to understand up front what it kind of looks like. You become responsible. That's what it's really about. More than getting rights, it's about taking on responsibility. And you're not responsible for your family, but you are responsible to your family. Like I have a little baby and I am responsible for that baby. If I don't feed her, she will die and I'll go to jail because I'm responsible for her. Now, as a part of a church family, you're not responsible for one another. Like, if someone in our Mesa campus doesn't pay his taxes, the Awatsuki campus isn't going to send someone to jail for you, you know? Like, they're not going to pay your taxes for you either. Because you're an adult, and you make your own choices, but we are responsible to one another. Like, as a pastor, I'm not responsible for you, but I am responsible to you. To live with integrity and to serve you and to teach you the Word of God. And you're responsible to one another. And maybe you hear that word responsible and it freaks you out on some level. And some of you are already like, Mm-mm, nope, I don't want to be responsible for nobody and nothing. And, and I get that. There are some people that responsibility makes them nervous. But if you don't want responsibility, you better get ready to accept a lifetime of mediocrity. I think of what Winston Churchill said. Winston Churchill said, the price of greatness is responsibility. I think that God adopting you as sons and daughters and making you royalty and filling you with the power of the Holy Spirit means that with great power comes great responsibility. You have authority, you have power, and God wants you to step up and take responsibility as one of his sons and daughters to be who he made you to be. Growing up, you learn what family does. And one of the lessons that I think you learn, whether it's a wedding or a funeral or a graduation 
or someone's just moving, you learn this lesson, that family shows up. And this is the first area of commitment that I want to talk about in this series. The first commitment that a church family member makes is that I will show up. Family just shows up. It's what we do. If your car breaks down on the side of the road, family shows up. If you get sick, family shows up. If you get bad news, family shows up. If you're in the hospital, family shows up. Coworkers might not show up. The dudes on your softball team might not show up, but your family does. It's what they do. It's what we do. And a church member is committing themselves and saying, I am committed to regularly show up because it's what family does. People might ask you, why do you go to church so often? And you can tell them it's a family thing. It's what family does. We show up. And the Bible shows us it's always been that way. Notice it said in Acts 2.46, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals. They were together. They met together each day. Some of you would love it if we had church every day. But we're not going to do that. We do have church on Sundays. We have our large gathering on Sunday where we come together and we worship God together and we preach the word of God. We devote ourselves to the apostles teaching like they did. We just have it written down in written form called the Bible. And we worship together. We love each other. We encourage each other. And this is an important part of our lives gathering together on a large level, on a regular basis. This is what family does. And then we have small gatherings too. There's life groups, for example, something we've talked about where you gather together in a smaller setting where you can, you can share and you can get to know one another and you can pray for each other about what's going on in your lives and you can have accountability and you can grow as a disciple. And I want to encourage you to be a part of a life group. And as a member, here's what I'm saying. A member is committing to regularly show up to the large gathering on Sunday. And then when it comes to life groups, here's what I'm asking anyone who's gonna be a member of our church to do. I'm asking you to at least attend a life group four times, to try it four times. You're like, I wanna be a member, but I don't know if I like the life group thing, uh, Ryan. I'm like, okay, okay, I hear you, but just give it a try. Four times, if you go four times and you don't feel like it adds value to your life, you're off the hook. And you can still be a member, okay? You can be like, I tried it, Ryan. I didn't like it. But I think you'll find that it benefits you, that you'll enjoy being in part of each other's lives and praying for each other and growing together. So I, I think, though, if you try it, you'll like it, but just try it four times. That's what I'm asking all of our church family to do. But being a part of a church family involves showing up on a regular basis. And I want to emphasize the word <laughs> regular. You know, I watched this documentary yesterday about a football coach, winning football coach, everybody would know his name. And they interviewed his daughter and she was talking about her wedding day and how special it was to have her dad there on her wedding day, walking her down the aisle and dancing with her. And she, she said this, and I'm gonna paraphrase her. She said, it was so great to have him there. It was special, especially considering how absent he was growing up. And she didn't mean it to be negative, but it made me sad. And I thought, if you're only together on special occasions, you don't have a healthy relationship. There's a difference between being a church attender and a family member. Like I'll meet people out in town and they'll be like, I go to Generation Church. I'm like, you do? <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, I don't recognize you, you know? How, how, how often do you come? Like when was the last time you were there? And they're like, I was just there three months ago. 
on Easter. I'm like, it's September. Here I am feeling bad. I don't recognize you. You're like, I go to generate. You should have just said, like, I, I attend church there on special occasions. It would have helped me to know, right? It's not healthy. It's not healthy to just to come up once in a while on special occasions, on Christmas and in Easter. It's something that needs to be regular in your life. It needs to be a priority. Church members prioritize gathering together. They'll, they'll put other things aside and they'll say no to other opportunities. They'll rearrange their schedule to gather because it's important. Why is it such a big deal to show up on a regular basis? Here's why it's such a big deal. And this is why we make a lot of our choices as Christians. Because God told us it is. God says we show up because God told us to. That's like the bottom line. That's really the reason behind this. I could end the sermon right now, but I'm not going to. We show up because God told us to. When, when I was a kid growing up, my dad would sometimes call a family meeting and he might, you know, lay down some guidelines and he might correct some of our behavior. And we didn't have to like it. We could complain, but at the end of the day, we were going to do it because he was the dad. He was the head of the family. When dad says goes. God is the head of our family. And he establishes the family's priorities. And he says that gathering is a priority. A fully developing follower of Jesus and church family member will prioritize gathering with their church. Of course, there are going to be times when you get sick. There are going to be times when you're on vacation or when you have to travel for work. And we're not trying to be legalistic. I'm not talking about being legalistic, but making this a priority. A priority. We know the difference. It used to be in our country, a lot of you who are older will remember this, that it was culturally a priority to attend church. People would attend church culturally, even if they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus themselves. That's not good. Today, I feel like the problem has flipped. And there are a lot of people who do have a relationship with Jesus, but they don't prioritize being with their church, and neither is healthy. You need to have your own personal relationship Monday through Saturday and regularly be with your church family. And here's what the Bible says. God says this, anything less than that is neglect. It says in Hebrews 10, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. It's not meant to be a guilt trip, but God's just laying it out clearly for you that to not do this, to not meet together is neglect. It's neglect of your own soul and it's neglect of your church family. God said, don't neglect this. Now, some of you in our church are amazing at this. Like some of you are here every time the doors are open. I, I worry about you. Like, are you okay? Do you have your own home? Do you have a place to go? <laughs> and, and, and maybe some of you need to do better in this area. And then the people who aren't here right now really need to do better in this. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Like, whew, this was a good day to come. I'm off the hook. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I'm talking to you. But we tend to underestimate the value of gathering and overestimate the value of other things. That's what I've noticed. We underestimate the value of gathering. Like some people have this attitude like, you know, it's just another Sunday. It's just another church service. I'll catch the podcast. And I just want you to realize that if you treat the presence of God as common, you'll probably have a common life. 
Some people, they, they underestimate the value of gathering. And they act like, well, you know, it's a lot of work, especially right now in the winter, because, you know, all the winter visitors are here. And <sighs> I'm going to have to get up and take a shower and get dressed. <sighs> find a parking spot. And then find a seat and shake people's hands and sing and, <sighs> and check my kids in. And ugh, it's just such a hassle. And I get it, like, it is work, and we try to make it easy for you to come to church, but it is work. It takes effort. I know that that's true, but I want you to realize this, that although we're not saved by our own effort, we know that we're saved not by works, but by God's grace, God does respond when we make an effort to draw close to him. He does. You think about in scripture, the woman with the issue of blood, she was bleeding and no doctor could cure her. And she knew I've got to get close to Jesus. I've got to get close to Jesus. And he was in her town. And so she went through all the effort. She got herself dressed and then she found a parking spot for her donkey. And then she had to press through the crowd. And there were a lot of people there touching Jesus, but this woman was willing to press through the crowd. She made the effort. She crawled to him and just got her hands on the hem of his robe. And who did God's power go out to? The woman who made the effort to get close to him. Don't underestimate the value of gathering. And then sometimes we overestimate the value of other things, of other things. Like, like, think about, you know, Sunday morning, your alarm clock goes off. It's like, meet, meet, meet. And you have a choice to make, right? It's like sleep or church. Sleep or church. And, and I, I get it. Like, man, sometimes you have a long week and you just feel like what I really need right now is to sleep. I need to catch up on sleep. Work has been difficult. But I want you just to understand that three more hours of sleep on Sunday cannot recharge your spirit like one hour in the presence of God. We overestimate sometimes the value of other things. Like a lot of families today are getting very distracted by some of the activities and extracurricular things going on in, in their lives, and especially their kids' lives. You know, kids are busy today and making families busier than they've ever been. And there are sports and club teams and, and like, I don't know what else, science club and dance and all these things that the kids have going on. And families will miss church now today because kids are playing sports. And I need you to understand, like as a parent, you need to realize this, like the Statistical chances are greater that you'll get struck by lightning than that your kid will go pro. I hate to be the one to tell you that. But there is a 100% chance that your child will face challenges in life that only Jesus can help him with. You've got to get your kids to church for their own sake and anything less is neglect. God says, don't neglect this. You need this. He's the head of our family. He knows best. So we show up because God told us to, but there are more reasons that I want to flush out there. We show up to maintain unity. Unity is important. We shouldn't underestimate the value of unity. If me and my wife never spent time together, we would become divided. When you live a separate life, you develop separate priorities. And separate priorities lead to developing separate plans and going your own way. As a church family, we need to be together in order to be united. We believe in the power of unity. 
It says in Ephesians 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. You can't be united in the Spirit if you're never united in person. Being together helps us discern the will of God together and follow his will together. And I know that in this world where people are divided and in our church, we have people who speak different languages and come from different countries and vote for different political parties. But we are united in the spirit of Jesus and we need to be together in order to maintain that unity. We got to be together. So we can move forward together. And I, I want to emphasize this to anyone who is a winner visitor, especially at our Mesa campus. We have a lot of winner visitors. Um, I want you to stay united with our church family, even when you're not here in paradise. Okay. <laughs> when you go back to your other home church, uh, that's great. And we'll miss you. But while you're gone, stay united with what's going on here, because this is your home church for part of the year. Read the emails that go out, watch the services online, stay in the know about what's going on. We want you to think about your Arizona family as your other home church family. Amen. We want you united with us. We want you to be a part of what's going on. We want you to feel like when you come back down south to paradise that, that you know what's, what's going on in the family and that we, we're praying for you to move here permanently someday. Amen. In Jesus name. We are united because we're better together. And then I want to say this. We show up because worship is better together. Worship is better together. You can worship the Lord on your own, and I highly encourage that. Like, put, him, put worship music on in your car or put it on in your home. You should do that. Hey, listen, this is a little pro tip. Next time things get tense in your family and somebody starts to fight, just put worship music on. Just let God's presence fill your home and soften people's hearts and do what only he can do. We can worship on our own. I encourage you to do that. But we are called by God to worship together. And something special happens when we worship God together. There's a specific benefit to this. Notice it said, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it said, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they worshiped together at the temple each day. They didn't have to because they had the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them, but they chose to because it was important. They worshiped together. They praised God together. I can worship on my own, but I'm encouraged in a special way when I worship with you. It's good for you to worship with one another, to sing praise to God, to hear the word of God. It's better when we're together because you can be encouraged by each other. You might come to church one week and be struggling and, and really depressed, afraid, worried, anxious. I don't know. But then just being with God's people and worshiping together, it's encouraging to your soul, isn't it? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You just like look around the room. And it builds your faith. I'm not the only one that's trusting in Jesus. All these other people are too. And, and if they all are trusting Jesus, then I can trust him as well. It's better together. We know it is. We devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. It's the word of God. Uh, we call it the Bible. And then we also praise God together. There's something supernatural about a group of people praising God. It says in Psalms 22 that the Lord sits enthroned in the praises of his people. 
It's very metaphorical, poetic language, but there's this idea that when we lift up our praises to God, our two campuses in Mesa and Ahwatukee, our praises to God, they just rise up and they create this metaphorical spiritual throne that Jesus sits on above our church family and he observes our praises and it's pleasing to him. He says, I'm going to be with you in a special way. Hey, I, I just want to correct some, some thinking that some of you have. And I, I'm saying this from a place of love and not judgment. But some of you, when we have times of worship, you sing like Jesus isn't in the room. And you need to know that he is. He's here. He's among us. He's with us. It says in Matthew chapter 18, it says, for the, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. This is Jesus speaking. He's always with us wherever we go, but when we gather together, he is here in a special way. His presence is manifested in a special way. And I wanna encourage you, when you're worshiping him with your church family, worship him like he's in the room because he is. It's good. It's good to get together and give God the praise he deserves. Even when life is hard, he deserves it. Amen. And we do. We show up. I want to say this. We show up because life is hard. That's another point I want to emphasize. Life is hard. Life is hard. You guys go through hard things. There are people in our church right now going through hard things. And there's no way to sugarcoat it. But what do we see? After bad news, after a funeral, after a diagnosis or a surgery, family shows up. Because being with loving family is a comfort. And that is an important reason that God wants you to prioritize showing up to be with your church family because your life is hard. And if it's not hard now, it's probably gonna be hard at some point. And if it is hard now, you need to know that your church family is here for you. This is the difference between people and animals. Animals, when they get hurt and injured and weak, they run off and they hide in isolation to avoid predators. And oftentimes they die alone. That is the natural animal instinct that we all have in response to pain, to suffering, is to run off and hide in isolation. To avoid people, to stay home to avoid the gatherings. Like I'm hurting, I don't wanna be around anyone right now. And we know that that is exactly what the enemy hopes you'll do. We do have a spiritual enemy. Some of you might think that that sounds like hocus pocus, but the Bible says that there is a devil, uh, calls him Satan. Uh, he's the father of lies. And one of his greatest lies is that he doesn't exist. Meanwhile, he's working very hard to destroy your soul. He's hoping you'll stay home and avoid God's people when you're hurting. And he doesn't care if you look for comfort in sleep or substance or sex, porn or Netflix, just as long as you're not with God's people. He wants you isolated and vulnerable so that you're easy to destroy. But the word of God, it says, gather together. Don't neglect this. It tells us be with your church family because when we're together, we draw strength from one another. Our faith is enhanced. We're encouraged by one another. If you're here today, if you're at Generation Church and you're not going through a hard time right now, praise God. Your job is to encourage someone who is. They need you more than you realize. And if you're here today and you're hurting, I want you to know you're, we're here to encourage you and speak life to you and remind you of God's promises, that he is faithful. And that is not hopeless. 
You haven't been forsaken or forgotten. But because life is hard, we need to come together. Um, That's why we need our large gathering. That's why we need life groups, a smaller gathering. Some of you haven't participated in life groups because you've been hurt in a church before and people scare you. And I get it. People scare me too. But you need to be with people. You need to understand this truth. You need to stop putting all of your strength into your walls that keep people out and discover that there's a greater strength that comes when you let people in. Be a part of a life group. Think about the example of the disciples. John chapter 20 talks about after Jesus was crucified that Friday, it says that the disciples, they gathered together. It was the first day of the week, so it was Sunday. It says in John 20, verse 19, when the disciples were together, what's that word? Together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. It's fair to say their life was hard at the moment. Jesus had been crucified. They were afraid. They were being persecuted. And what they do? They got together. And when they got together, Jesus showed up and brought them the peace that they needed. If your life is hard, you need to be together with God's people because when you get together, this brings me to my last point, God shows up. When we show up, God shows up. He shows up. He said, when you gather together, I'm gonna draw near to you. We know he's always with us, but there's something about getting together that brings him near. He said that that's true, and he shows us it's true again and again. There's something about our agreement that adds weight to our prayers. Jesus says, when you gather, that's all the excuse I need to show up. He shows us. Another example is Acts chapter 2. It said, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. We know that the Holy Spirit was poured out among them. Think about this. The Holy Spirit showed up when they were meeting together. When we show up, God shows up. When we show up, the supernatural presence of God is manifest in a more tangible way. I know some of you might not realize this, but I I believe in a supernatural God who still does supernatural miracles among his people. These same believers who experienced the the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it says later in this chapter, we we read this, maybe we didn't read this yet, it says this, it says that they experienced many miraculous signs and wonders. I believe in a God that still does miracles, signs, and wonders. We're not gathered together to receive a college lecture about things that happened in history that might have philosophical applications to your life in 2020. We're worshiping a living God who still does supernatural miracles in 2020. And we expect him to do that. I know many of you have experienced supernatural healings. And there's just something about when you come together with God's people with an attitude of expectation, God has this way of pouring something special out in your life. Oftentimes, he is ready to do something in our lives when we expect it the least. It's that Sunday that you didn't feel like coming to church that you came and the message that was preached felt like it was just for you. I know, because some of you are like, Pastor, are you reading my email? And I'm like, no, but God knew what you needed. It's that day that you came feeling dry and distant from God, that his presence pierces through and is manifest in your life in a special way during worship, when you're singing the moment you felt least like singing. But when we show up, God shows up. He proves it again and again. So here's the application for this message. I'm telling you, family shows up. 
Here's the takeaway. I wanna ask, is gathering together with God's people a high priority in your life? If it is, great. If it's not, you know. Are you committed to showing up? Some of you might need to have a family meeting after this service and talk about your priorities. And maybe even say to your kids, kids, I need to apologize. I need to confess that I have been prioritizing some of the wrong things. And to all the fathers in the room, I want you to know it's not mom's job to drag the family to church. It's your job to lead the way and establish the priorities of your family as the head of your household to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But maybe you need to establish some new priorities and just say, this is what we're going to do. Not because of a legalistic way of thinking. We're not trying to earn God's favor. We just know that this is important. The family shows up. It's what we do. So we're going to do things a little differently from here on out. And then I want to say this. Maybe there are people here today, you know, I'm not a follower of Jesus. And maybe you hear this message about being a part of God's family and there's something inside of you that says, I want to be a part of God's family. Well, the good news is, as we discussed, you can be a part of God's family by receiving Jesus, believing in him, that he is who he said he was, accepting the gift of salvation that he offers you. And the Bible says when you do that, you become children of God. You become a child of God. It starts with a step of faith. And maybe you're here today and you say, I wanna be a child of God. I wanna just lead you in a prayer really quickly. Let's just bow our heads in Mesa and in Awatuki and just say this. If you're ready to, to give your life to Jesus and follow him, just say, God, I need you. I wanna follow you from this day forward. I wanna be a child of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you rose again. I wanna receive this gift of eternal life and follow you from this day forward with all that I am. I thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.